The Major League Baseball Amateur Draft is coming up in the next week or so, and we thought it would be an opportune time to talk to an Australian guy who will likely be the highest drafted Australian player this year, unless there's someone out there that we've completely missed. Um, he's ranked, or oh, we've seen draft boards where he's in the 167 to 175 range, which is about the fifth or sixth round of the draft. On our big board, we have him about 165. Um, I'd like to welcome Liam Spence to the podcast. Liam. Hey, how you doing? I'm good, thank you. Um, it's, Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem at all. Um, the draft is about a week away. Where are you located at the moment and what are you doing to get ready for the draft? Uh, right now I'm in Jacksonville, Florida. I'm staying at uh, one of my teammates' house, Max Ferguson. Yeah, I, I roomed with him at Tennessee for two years and made the trip down to his home for, for a little bit. And uh, I'll be heading out to Arizona tomorrow, actually, to be with my brother. But right now, just in Jacksonville, we are, we've just been waking up. We'll, we'll go go work out and then head out onto the field and take some swings, play some catch. Kind of light some days, but just getting our work in and just making sure that we're staying ready for whatever is coming. So the, in terms of expectations, we'll get into, I guess we'll, we'll talk about your college experience, we'll ex, which will explain how you find yourself highly ranked on our big board. But um, what are your expectations for this upcoming draft? Where, where have you been informed you may fall or have you not been informed of anything? Or what, what are your expectations? Uh, I mean, I don't have too many expectations. I don't, I don't want to get my hopes up or anything, but I, I, I've heard that there's a, a good chance to get drafted. You know, there's a lot of teams out there, but there's also a lot of good players. So my options right now are just waiting to see for the day, hopefully get a phone call. That, I mean, whatever round, it doesn't really matter to me. I just want to get the opportunity. But if nothing happens, uh, I still have another year to go back to Tennessee and uh, live out my college dream another year, which uh, it's my last four years at that college have been pretty unreal. So we will dive into the college stuff. The um, For those unawares, you typically have five years of college eligibility in which you play four, but COVID kind of threw a spanner in the works where people um, – and when I say you have five years of eligibility, like you can take a red shirt, which is typically given, typically given to people who right. are injured um, – or in some yeah. instances, look, you're not really going to play this year, take a red shirt so you can extend your career. But in some, it, but it, with COVID, everybody was, because the season was truncated, everyone was given that eligibility. The only problem with someone like you is as a 22 soon to be, is it 23 this year or 22, 23 next year? Uh, 23 right now. I'll be turning 24 next year. Yeah, right. So that's sort of starting to push the upper envelope of uh, yeah. leverage. I'm one of the of older... I'm kind of the dad of the house, if you could say, age-wise. Not really maturity-wise, but age-wise. Does that explain the moustache? What's the story? Is there any story behind that, or is that just the latest uh, thing with the kids nowadays? No, I mean, not many people can grow out a moustache. So, God, I mean, I had it going over Christmas break, and, you know, I just I got, got a lot of compliments for it when I got back to campus, and I thought I'd just run with it and keep, <laughs> keep it going. And now I think it's my thing. 
Yeah, it could be best described as dirty. We'll post a picture of it with the podcast. Um, So, so, like you know, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. But what I guess, what do you need to do, or what's the sort of determinant as to whether or not you would actually sign or go back to college? Like, what what helps you make that decision? Um, If if I see a good fit in the organization, where I think I have a good chance to develop more and. I mean, the end goal is to make it to the big league. So if I think that that's an opportunity that I can do with them, I'll take it and run with it. But uh, I mean, there's not, in the end, I really don't, there's not too many things that need to go my way to where it's like, I have to, I want to sign now. Like I I am very much looking forward to the opportunity to play pro ball. So uh, we'll just wait and see. And uh, I mean, I'm just looking forward to that uh, chance because, you know, it's been a dream ever since a kid. So there's not too much that I'm really looking for in particular. I'm just looking to get a phone call. Yeah, and the the fallback plan. So if it doesn't go the way you want it to, there's there's worse options than uh, going back to Tennessee to play your uh, another season there. I guess <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there's plenty worse. <laughs> so when you so when you head to Arizona, is that any other kind of specialized training, or is that just kind of much of the same of what you're doing now? Uh, most likely the same. A lot of my Juco buddies uh, live out there and my brother lives out there with his wife. So I'll have a lot of familiar faces where we we have a lot of connections where there's a lot of fields to go practice at, a lot of gyms we can work out at. And just, you know, it helps doing it with uh, other people, like people your age, just it keeps you motivated and keeps it fun and e- easy and just makes you want to, makes it easy to wake up in the morning and go, you know, work out and practice so and i'm guessing that's skill work and then strength and conditioning as well yeah it's a bit of everything really it depends on the day i guess but strength and conditioning is a big part of every day and then the other days it's you know we'll just go take some swings in the cage maybe hit some ground balls to each other whatever and what, whatever we can do what's your what's what's the most likely position for you I know you played shortstop in college what what's your professional position in your opinion? Uh, I mean, they, they say maybe shortstop, but they also can see a fit at second base, third base, first base. And I've also had some people say outfield could also work out because I played there a little bit my freshman year. So I, I, I like the variety and that teams uh, see extra value in a player that can play those four or five different positions that can fit in anywhere like a utility. So, I, I try and practice all that, and it, it just brings more value to myself and to the team. And you get to buy more gloves as well, so you're always swagged out. Right, yeah. I can have three gloves at once. There you go. So let's That's just cool. let's talk about just your past season. I'm just going to read out some numbers. So batting average, which everyone sort of shrugs their shoulders at nowadays, but I'm going to read that. 336, uh, OPS 931, five home runs, 36 RBIs, 63 runs, uh, slugging percentage 459, and an on-base percentage 472. Now, people might say you're cool, but you did that playing in the SEC, which is arguably – well, it's not even arguably. It is the best conference of college baseball, and the World Series champion Mississippi State came out of that against Vanderbilt. So two teams out of that conference played off for the College World Series. Can you tell – just – Step us through what is it about this conference, and um, I've got a bunch of questions I'll ask you along the way. But yeah, just give me your impression of 
of that playing at that level? Let let us know what it's like. I mean, speaking to Americans as an American kid, you want to play in the SEC. It's kind of one of those things where it's known as the powerhouse uh, conference. It has like for football, for baseball, basketball doesn't matter what sport it is, but the the the, the Southeastern Conference is one of those things where it's just known to have players come in and then play professionally. And uh, I don't know exactly what uh, the stat is, but I know that the SEC last year had twice as many uh, draft players to the next, which I think was ACC. But it's just a conference that they have a lot of money. They, they Their stadiums are unmatched, and the fans are the most passionate fans in the country. And, I, and it doesn't matter which school it is, but at Tennessee – I know we have the most passionate fans in the country and it's it's just one of those things that it, it's kind of undescribable. But when you have uh, 100,000 people at a football game all going for like with the same school spirit and it's, it's very undescribable. Just to put, so to put things in context just from a level of competition, so Vanderbilt had number one and number two starter, or as they call them in college baseball, your Friday night, Saturday night starter. That's typically how the series works. So that's Kumar Rocker and um, Jack Leiter. Both of those guys Uh operate in the 93 to 100 mile an hour range and are likely, or arguably, potentially, but depending on signability, could be top five draft picks this year. So that's what you're facing. What's it like rolling into series? I remember that then. I remember Vanderbilt came into town and uh, it was it was very hyped. It was because you know it's an in-state. They're they're three. They live three hours away. They're from Tennessee, and they're kind of our rivals. So to, to play a team with that kind of hype of players on their team coming out on a Friday night and then right back at you again on Saturday, and, and, uh, at the time didn't really think much of it. But like looking back at it now, it's like it's pretty un- like it's just like surreal that like wow we we really we really did that against those kind of players and like, and it's kind of like that every week, honestly, but those two names are probably the most recognized names in college baseball, but it's not like that every week. <laughs> and yeah, trying to prepare yourself to face that kind of velocity. And it's not just the velocity, like they, their arsenal, just those two guys alone is just sickening. So it's uh, incredible. Yeah. How do you, how do you prepare for that? I mean, you just got to stick with your routine. We uh, we talked about, we watched a lot of video on the, on the guys, and we have uh, stat sheets of what percentages they throw, what pitches, and what counts. And like, that's it, a lot of help. But once you're in the game and you're playing, it kind of it's in the back of your head. But you never know. You know, you can't just rely on that one thing that you saw that it's sixty percent this pitch in this count. If you're just in battle mode and but it, when we played Kumar on Friday night, he looked like a big leaguer, and I'd, I'd never seen a pitcher like that before. It was—he's a big guy, he's a, and it was—it was pretty. Un, and he, he shoved against us that night. We, we we didn't score, but he was pretty good. And we'll, we will circle back to your experience at Tennessee, but we, just to kind of put into context, yes, the talent's insane, but just the whole experience at that level, like you mentioned the money, but there's teams with, you know, 
I don't know that they got into the hundreds of millions, but there's stadium, college baseball stadiums that are upwards fifty to eighty million dollar facilities that are just state of the art. Yeah. Uh, what kind of crowds were you pulling at Tennessee? Uh, we were getting about four thousand. We there was, there was a lot of standing room as well, and at the start of the year there was COVID restrictions, oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. like fifty percent capacity. Yeah. Yeah. But at the end of the season, when we're hosting our regional, we put in new stands and. I don't, don't think they counted towards the capacity and there was a the whole standing room of just student sections down the line, which was hundreds of people. And I mean, I think the end capacity was like 4,100, but it was the loudest atmosphere I've ever been a part of. And then on the street behind, they was having a watch party on the street, like down the right field, down the left field line, sorry. And there was another, I don't know, thousands of people there just pulling out a chair watching and like you could see the TV from the field that they were watching the game on and it was it was one of the most unreal atmospheres I've ever been a part of that it got very it got like a, a scream was insane I, I wish I could like describe it in a way it's, it was just it gives me goosebumps thinking about right now how loud it was so let's um, you know look our, our podcast and our platform is all geared around creating pathways for for young players so i'm really interested to pick apart how you got to where you are right now so do you want to you know i know your brother had amazing success at the college level and 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 made it to the big leagues but how did how did you find your pathway could you step us through that and and i'll ask you questions along the way right well my brothers left to go to college when i was like eight or ten so i didn't really understand it too much back then but it looked cool with what they were doing. They were playing baseball every day, so I knew that it was what I wanted to do. And I was able to go over and visit a lot. And kids, when you're like 12, 13, back home, you don't you don't play much baseball. But, but back there in America, they are, they're playing hundreds of games a year. And it made me realize like just how far ahead these kids are, like competition-wise. And, and so at a young age, I was able to, we lived about two minutes from the baseball field back home. So me and dad after dad got off work, would go over to the baseball field and would hit in the cage every night and get, get my work in. And then when I was 17, I, I didn't make a state team. So I decided to go over to America to go to some camps out there. And I, I feel like I just got a better experience and understanding of what, what I need to do. And like just, uh, really gra- grasp what, what it was like being in America playing baseball. So let me and just, that's what helped me. Let, let yeah. me just dive in there. So why didn't you no make worries. a state team? Uh, I wasn't mature yet. Uh, I was yeah. just a little kid. I wasn't very strong. I, I, I had just as good a talent as anybody else, but I wasn't very strong. I wasn't very fast. I couldn't hit the ball further than anybody, like further than a lot of the people and couldn't throw the ball as hard. So there was just better options. But, uh, I, once I grew up and that's what I, I then went to junior college in central Arizona and that's when uh, I, I, uh, like started to develop more and gain strength from working out and it all kind of fell into place. But I, I really embraced not being the strongest because I feel like at a young age, it helped me learn how to just mm. be a ball player and win. And then the other stuff came later on in life. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's kind of part of the message that you, we want to get across is not making 
you know, a representative side when you're 16 or, you know, 18 is not, is certainly not the end of the world. And um, no. it's those, if you've got the skill base, once the physical side catches up, then you can really escalate. So um, I'm, I think that's a really, and it's not an uncommon story is, and, and a lot of junior rep- representative sport is the biggest kids make the team and then they get the better coaching. But, um, you know, later on it's those kids who develop who've kind of stuck with it that often kind of jump ahead. The So I am just want to dive into the junior college part because I think a lot of people don't quite understand how that works. Now, Central Arizona is arguably one of the, one of the junior college powerhouses. You don't just show up there and play. Obviously you had some connections through your brother because he played there, if I'm not mistaken. Um, You're right. Both of my brothers played there. Yep. So was that your entry point in there? Yeah. The assistant coach when my brothers were there was the head coach when it was my time to go there. So I had that kind of connection. I knew him already. And, and the assistant coach, I knew the assistant coach from my brothers as well, so we are good friends, so it was an easy yeah. uh, connection and helped me pathway to get to America. Now, I don't want to dive into your financial situation or anything like that, but one of the pieces that is often hard for people to understand is certain junior colleges have scholarship money. Some conferences don't allow international players to get scholarship money, um, but very few junior colleges hand out a full scholarship and those types of things. So the yeah. and and it can be expensive. Like you're not you're not not all your costs are covered. It's in American currency, so you sometimes you have to double that up to Australian dollars. But there is that element of 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 cost that goes to it. It's cheaper than most four year schools. But once you got there, um, I guess what was that experience like? You were familiar with the, sort of that. I hate to say grind because everyone says it nowadays, but they're playing every day. But what's the junior college lifestyle? Can you sort of talk us through what that involves? Because I know academics isn't always high on the agenda for people because it's it's not a four-year college. But what, what's the overall package like when you go to a junior college? Uh-huh. Well, I mean, the JUCO grind was very different to me- since you mentioned that. It was – I had an experience with any the Juco that I went to was in the middle of the desert, middle of nowhere. The closest like house was about ten minutes from campus itself. So you had you had to love baseball, really. I mean, it, we we did baseball every day. We uh we I stayed on a dorm my freshman year. It was like four bedrooms, uh, a, a lounge area, and there'd be two people to a room. So I'd, it'd be all teammates which that itself was an incredible time. You start making up things to do with your roommates when there's nothing else to do, and that that seems to be the best time. But it's baseball every day. I mean, we'd wake up, we'd we'd go to class, and you'd have class with teammates, and then you go to the cafeteria, and all your teammates are in the cafeteria, and then you guys all go over in a big flock over to the baseball field for practice, and you'd practice every day from, like, one to like five thirty, about that, and you'd lift. You do all that strength and condition stuff after or before, depending on the day. And then you'd go back to your dorms, and you'd find something to do for however many hours you had until you had to go to sleep. And it was that every day, and you wouldn't believe how close you get with your teammates uh, just by doing that. Cause literally every meal of the day, you're with your teammates. You're with them during class. You're with them on the field. Like there's nothing that you do by yourself at Juco, and it's 
when you're in a place that has nothing else around it, I couldn't, I, yeah, like the Juca that I went, there wasn't anything to do and I had the best time of my life. I couldn't like so going anywhere else would be just as good. So it was incredible. So can we get, I'm, I'm guessing that you're going to endorse this, but can we just get an official endorsement for a young player heading for their first or contemplating going to college? Would your recommendation be in your first year, live in the dorms? Oh, uh, yeah, in a heartbeat, I'd yep. say yes. It was the best decision ever. And <laughs> it's like, yeah, we'd have guys all come over to the dorm that bring their TV, PlayStation, and you'd all play the same game and you're just hanging out in the dorms. And it, I don't know, it's like when you're a kid, all you want to do is have a sleepover with your friends. And it's literally, it's, it's, it's a sleepover every night with your best friends. It's, I, I don't know how else to say it, but, and, uh, and then you wake up and you, you go play baseball with, all those people as well and that you do and literally everything is with your, your friends and it, it's unreal it's just yeah it's a sleepover and you're by yourself it, I, I don't think it can get any better the uh, I, did, I have noticed you haven't mentioned the word study at any stage here Liam is the uh, <laughs> we might have some parents listening you might want to just throw a you might want to throw an academic angle yeah, <clears throat> yeah well with classes would always be in the morning so you get the classes out of the way and then you go into practice, but uh, we had study hall two or three times a week where after practice, we'd all go to the library and would be in there for an hour. We had people in there to help us with our math, our English, so you're always on top of everything. And if you were able to get out all your homework in that time, it meant you had the rest of the night free, so that's where a lot of people try and get all their stuff done. But I, can, I mean, you have to be, if you're not passing classes you might not be allowed to go to practice so academics is a huge part uh, of the game uh, of being able to play college baseball because if you don't have a passing grade you might have to miss practice and go to the library and study some more but yeah it's a good save yeah, it's not too bad good, overall good save mate well done keeps the parents happy <laughs> yeah thanks so yeah, your your college seasons were dominant um when did you oh sorry sorry before i get to that just in junior college, there's very limited restrictions on practice times and, and number of games and that type of thing. Yeah, is that, there's no restrictions. Yeah, so you can be on the field all day, every day. That's a key difference. As long as, long as coach wants you out there, you're out there. Yeah, right. That's Yeah, that's a key difference. So you started put, you started putting together some pretty dominant seasons. When did, you, when did the recruitment begin – for four-year schools, and I'm really interested in sort of hearing your experience there and some of the options you may have had if you're comfortable talking about those, but I'm really interested to know when you started to pop uh -huh. up on four-year school radars. Yeah, well, I, I I had a pretty good freshman year. I uh, uh, ended up almost hitting 400 my freshman year, so I knew that there'd be some, some cool schools out there uh, looking for me, but I ended up going out to uh, Minnesota for summer ball, which you do after every uh, college year, you go play summer ball somewhere where the school sets you up with the team and you go to a host family, which that itself is an unreal experience. Was that the North? But I was out there. No, it was a pioneer league. It was, it was the second year. It was just a new oh, upcoming yeah. league. Okay. Yep. <clears throat> but uh, it was just a place where I could go play every day. But so before I left there, I, I visited a school called Grand Canyon University and I, I loved campus, but, I wasn't ready to commit to anything or anything like that. And then during the summer league, uh, I got a call from uh, Frank Anderson, who's the 
University of Tennessee pitching coach. And I talked to him and, you know, an SEC school was my dream since I knew what college baseball was. And so I talked to them for a little bit, you know, I'd send out my grades, like my GPA to them and everything seemed to work out good. So then they were able to get me out on a visit where they flew me out to Tennessee and put me in a hotel for two nights and they'd show me around campus and uh, like show me the facilities and we'd go on a golf cart and just drive around to the basketball field, to the football field. Like you get the most special treatment that get, you get food. It was the most unreal experience. And then you meet some of the players. And when I was there, uh, the players and coaches, it felt like I was part of the team when I was there. And I mean, it's not easy to commit to something that that big about choosing your school, but I knew right away that that's the school that I wanted to go to. So before my sophomore year had even started, which is really when the whole recruiting thing begins, I'd already, I'd committed to Tennessee. Like I'd locked it all up. Like before my sophomore year began, uh, I was committed to Tennessee. So, but a, a lot of the recruit, recruitment goes on during your sophomore year fall where uh, t- coaches will come out, watch you practice and take you out on visits. But I didn't do all that, uh, as much of that stuff just because I was committed already to and, Tennessee. And was that sort of a release of pressure, just one less thing you needed to worry about? Or how did it, it, that just yeah. off the plate and now I can get on with it? It felt good. I didn't have any. I didn't have to worry about where I was going to go. Uh, if my credits would transfer, like those little things, I was just able to play baseball, focus on that. Knew, knew I had a unreal spot to go, and well, a lot of my teammates were like worrying about, you know, trying to go to a school that was a good fit for them. And it was nice to know that I already had a spot at a school that was one of my dream like schools and also would be a good fit for me. It was very relieving. So you obviously completed your second season. Um, did you guys win the co- junior college world series in your sophomore year? Yeah. My sophomore year, we, we won the junior college world series. We were, we had seven games left in the season and we were like three and a half, four games behind uh, top four out of the top four. And we ended up winning all seven of our last games, and we snuck in the fourth spot by half a game, and we ended up rolling on and winning the College World Series. Yeah, fairy tale. So, and what so was the I, um, what was I, the, uh, yeah? What was the sorry to interrupt? What was the? No, you're fine. What's the standard like in junior college? Like we've talked about the SEC quality of play, but you were playing in Arizona, which is one of the hotbeds of junior college baseball and baseball. Um, what was what was the standard like that you saw at the junior college level? Yeah, the the junior college level gets overlooked with how good it really is. I mean, a lot of the a lot of my our team, uh, in particular, is sort of kids that were really good at baseball. They just didn't have grades to get into a D one school like you know, like uh, USC, like just schools like that where they could have gone to. They just didn't have the grades out of high school to get there, so they were able to go there for two years, get get a degree, get a uh, one of those degrees, and then move on to a school where they could play a, a big D one. But we just had a lot of kids that just weren't, weren't very school smart at, at a high school. So we were able to get them into JUCO because the grades, you don't need as good of a grade to go to a junior college. And also some kids couldn't afford to go to one of those big schools so that they decided to come here and ball out for two years and get a good scholarship to a school. So it's filled with players that should be playing D one. I think we had, 
19 out of our 20 sophomores go to a D1 after my sophomore year. So it's, it's a very, which is a lot, but it's, it's full, it's full of really good baseball players. All right. So now we're ready to talk about the Tennessee experience. Um, so you land, you land, and just how, what is that experience like walking into onto campus in a in a college as big as that in a town that's just mad for college sport and and I'm I'm interested in sort of picking apart the sort of not only the baseball but also sort of the support that goes into you know the the training staff the strength and conditioning the facilities the equipment like. People are genuinely interested in right. what that's like because it's prime time. Right. I, I can very confidently say that Tennessee has one of the most passionate fan bases in the country. So when I rocked up the campus and walked around, there was kids my age, there was adults, everybody's wearing orange, like Tennessee shirts. Like the school spirit is unmatched. And going from a JUCO where there was like 200 people on campus max, you know, maybe more, but it felt didn't feel like that many. To there's people literally like walking in bunches everywhere. Like it's tough to like you go squeeze through while walking on campus. Like there's just people everywhere. It was mad. It was like madness. And then going to the facility, and it's just this big, you know, big locker room, big weight room. There's a lounge with you know drinks in there. They got all these milks. They got snacks. They got TVs, pool table, ping pong table, like. You, you feel like you're in heaven, and it, I, it was pretty unreal to think that my next two year, two three years, are going to be in this spot. And when you sort of walk out for the first day of practice, it what was the talent yep. level like? Are you, and you know, going from a a, a col- junior college team that just won the World Series and nineteen of twenty guys went to a D one school was was there a big step up in the level of talent from that to Tennessee, or were you just blessed to play on a junior college team that just was stacked with with players? Well, what's, what's I mean, the- yeah, I was blessed to go to a JUCO with a lot of good players, so I wasn't as overwhelmed when I got there. But the the apps, there was still they're really good players. Maybe they're just you know one of those things where they're just a little stronger, like a little more mature. That's why they're at a D one school and not at a JUCO. Mm. Like back trying to make a, a state team, they they might just be a little bit more mature at the time, stronger. But I mean, I rock up the campus and we we got a guy like Garrett Crochet throwing for us, who was an eleventh, who's already pitching in the big leagues for the White Sox and being absolutely he throws one hundred and one, and he was pitching for us and and pitching against us in scrimmages, and it, it, it's just like that those little things that uh, it's just surreal to think about that that's who you're playing with and like now that he's in the big leagues it's it's wild and then in terms of practice so can you what are the restrictions that are in place in terms of sort of contact hours with the team and and practice hours how does that work at the division one level yeah uh i don't exactly know the amount of hours but uh you have a certain amount where it's like two three hours a day out in the field and the coach logs in Everything like the hours that you're out spent on the field, so that you don't break any violations, and then it depends on the day. But you you go practice, and then the the weight room was a a two second walk from the locker room, and right behind the dugout, and it was just one of the 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 days are always taken up of either lifts or hitting in the cage, 
to think and then for the most part everybody just kind of just hangs out in the locker room everybody wants to be around each other all the time mm. and we'll play hacky sack in the locker room there's pool going on table tennis like you know every no, not, nobody wants to be the first person to leave to go home type of thing <laughs> and uh, i'm gonna ask, cool. gotta ask a dumb question but i'm into this type of stuff like in terms of the equipment and gear and all those types of things is it just i need a pair of spikes i need a glove like what what do you what do they give you how does that <laughs> yeah. work so you get a free glove you get that but and then you can always go into the manager's office and be like eh, i need a new pair of batting gloves of rips i need socks i need a belt these pants don't fit me anymore just what uh, a hat uh, but yeah, the batting gloves are definitely the most thing that I feel like get used. Everybody always goes in and asks for new batting gloves. But that's just kind of like whatever you need, you know. But yeah. Yeah. I for your give you a bat, whatever. Not cutting corners. Not like that at JUCO. <laughs> what, what's the? It, um, it, feels, it feels very big league. What's the? Um, in terms of strength and conditioning as well, like. You know, I've you've seen you you can do it on virtual tour of Tennessee's facility. It's it's mind blowing. But and obviously they've got full time strength and conditioning coaches. Were you on individualized programs and and are you, have you got coaches pushing you to do to follow the program or or are you sort of left to your own devices? How does that how does that kind of fit into the overall program? Yeah, well, we have a we had a really good strength and conditioning coach. We have one of the best in the country and uh he was with the the marlins and the professionals for the miami but he uh he'd separate the pitches and the hitters that the hitters and the pitches with would be complete not completely different but different with what they had to do their forms or if it was dumbbell ultimate bench or just barbell bench just little things like that but it'd be different and then for if i had a bad sore back at the time uh he would change something where it's not as much in my back he would still put, like individualize it but and when we'd left you know he's walking around making sure everything's going good and holding us all accountable to do the amount of sets the reps and if make sure our form's all good and if and if somebody he sees somebody cutting corners he's not afraid to stop everybody and put us all down and do like a, a plank or whatever it has to do because uh holding everybody accountable is very mm. important to us at Tennessee. And he's very, he's very good at that kind of stuff. Do you think that structure and that experience sort of teaching you how to do these things and, and accountability, I'm, I'm guessing that holds you in good stead for pro ball where you're left to your own devices. And if you choose to lift, you'd lift. And if you choose to cut corners, yeah. you you choose to cut corners. Is, is that foundation, do you believe that's going to hold you in, in a good position moving forward? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I feel like accountability and is one of the most important things you can have for yourself going for you to be able to hold yourself and do actually do the work. Because you know, he was he very big on preaching about like if you cut corners, like it's going to show up when you when you're out there, like out in the field, and like the um... <clears throat> everything kind of correlates to each other. He's very big on harping on accountability and doing your work. The um, we we probably should start to wrap things up because I've had you for a little while here. But academically, what um, did you have? You finished your degree, or where do you sit with that? 
I'm a, I'm about two classes short. I didn't. Not a lot of my uh, credits were able to transfer from my junior college to Tennessee because I don't really understand it completely. But uh, not all of my class I had to retake a math and English and do those little things again. So I'm two classes short from uh, graduating. But you can knock that out in the summer or next year. Come on, dude. Make sure you get that done. Degree. It's valuable. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know how important a degree is. I'll get, I'll get there. So I kind of want to wrap it up, and thank you very much for your time. But before we finish, what advice would you give for young players considering college baseball? Uh, to, to do it, I guess. I mean, college baseball has been the best four years of my life, and – you don't get the kind of chemistry, the, the friendship, the the development uh, out of a pro ball, like just going straight in the pro ball. There's nothing like that. At, at college, you have people helping you with your academics, your nutrition, your weight, uh, coaches. Like Everybody just cares about you. Like You're part of – it's a family. Like Everybody cares about you. And then but out of the baseball side of it, it's just the best four years that you can ask for. Like with there's so much free time to, to have with your friends. You, you make so many memories at, and the friend, I just can't, can't harp enough on the friendships that you build. I have so many friends that are just like brothers to me that I know will do anything for me and I'll do the same. It's just one of those things that you get out of college that you just wouldn't get out of going straight in the pro bowl. Mm. So you heard it here, folks, Liam Spence endorses, playing college baseball. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Good luck in the upcoming draft. Um, everybody now, hopefully, once they listen to this, will be watching for uh, the outcome. And I'm sure wherever you land, you're in well, well, in good order to make it the best experience and opportunity for yourself. So uh, all the best, mate, and thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. 